Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. Welcome back to Orange Nation. Polly and Steve with you. I am in Kentucky. Steve is in Syracuse. Artist of the day, GNR. This one, Mr. Brownstone, the clean version. I had to explain to Jordan that there's a dirty version of this song. And those guys on classic rock radio are edgy, Steve, and they, they sometimes will slip it in there. But we Not don't do that. We're radio. Wholesome. No, we don't. We do. are wholesome. Yes, yes this is family true. friendly is Orange Nation. Uh, all right, so you're in Kentucky. Let's uh, let's bring on our next guest, who also happens to be in Kentucky uh, for the same reason. You guys are getting ready for Syracuse Louisville tonight. <laughs> That's really, yes. Uh, we are joined by the uh, the voice of the Louisville Cardinals, Paul Rogers. And uh, you know, Paul, I guess the first question on my mind is, you know, you look at Louisville from from the outside looking in, and they're two and twelve, and you know, worst start in whatever it is, eighty years. How did they get to this point where to the fact that they are, you know, at, at the moment anyway, at the bottom of the ACC? Well, that's the question everyone is asking. That's for sure. Whether you're here or whether you're in Syracuse, New York, or whether you're anywhere and watching college basketball. And it's a hard question to pinpoint an answer to, but the best way I can explain it as I see it is it's really an accumulation of, of five years of purgatory. <laughs> the, when the NCAA started the investigation, the FBI got involved. It, it was a messy situation for for everybody. But what happened was the inaction was worse than any punishment that could have been delivered because for five years, Louisville has been operating with this dark cloud over their heads, and they have not been able to recruit uh, top-level talent because everyone was waiting for the sanctions to come. And Louisville just kind of floundered and floundered and started really going downhill last year. And then Chris Mack resigned, and then Kenny Payne came. He tried to get players from the portal to come in, and everyone was reluctant because everyone feared Louisville would be put on probation. And the things that went on here, uh, yes, some rules were broken, although by today's standards, they were pretty minor. But the inaction of the NCAA just put Lul in limbo, and they could not climb out of it. Um, they do now have the green light. Everything is in the past. Kenny Payne does have the ability now to go out and recruit players, but they're really behind the roster they had. They lost uh, some key guys from last year, and frankly, they weren't very good last year either. And the roster he was left with is sort of an awkward group of uh, a point guard and a bunch of forwards. <laughs> so it's just a team that has really had a hard time functioning. Uh, the fan base who was thrilled when Kenny was named the coach and thought he would be the great unifier is now divided again because people think, oh, he, he should have had instant results. I'm not sure they realized what he was up against. But uh, there's a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of stress in this town, and um, Steve, if you're here, I don't have been here long enough to feel it or sense it, but uh, there's, there's a lot of aggravation in the city of Louisville. Paulie, I can't believe you didn't make the drive down here to join us tonight. Uh, no, I am here. I am here. Oh, you're in uh, I'm in the hotel right now. Yeah, I'm in the hotel. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought you were in Syracuse. Sorry. <laughs> okay. No, you're, no. You're <laughs> uh, Paul, you mentioned the portal, and for for a guy from Syracuse, and Syracuse is a big program, it, it, it's hard to believe that Louisville was unable to get anybody in the portal to help this rebuild, even with the sanctions hanging over it. What what was the issue? Was that it? Primarily, I, I think if for any really good player, 
uh, you're looking to bring in, and they were looking, frankly, at, at mostly the grad transfer types, the older players. Uh, he's not going to risk his one year uh, to go to a school and, and all of a sudden they get put on probation and, or, and, and banned for the postseason. That was the big fear for the last five years, waiting for the hammer to fall on this, and it never did, but the effect was it might as well have uh, because Louisville has just been operating under this dark cloud for a long time. That was the major reason of Chris Mack's resignation last year. He, he just couldn't deal with the uncertainty. He couldn't seem to make any headway, and he was extremely frustrated. And um, when he took the job, he knew it was going to be a rough situation, but everyone figured it would be resolved within a couple of years at least. And it, it took five years to do it. And um, Louisville just has not really been able to, to land the elite recruits. More transfers. All right, take us take us through this season, if you could, uh, Paul. Obviously, two and twelve. They've played a bunch of ranked opponents, uh, but uh, you know those games have not gone well. They, they've lost and, and lost in lopsided fashion. Um, what have you learned about this team through fourteen games? <laughs> I, we're still trying to figure that out, and, and the team is still trying to figure it out. It was a strange start to the season. Louisville lost three straight one-point games that came right down to the buzzer, every one of them. It's, it's conceivable Louisville could have won all three of those games, but even if they had, uh, they were not very strong opponents, and, and they're not teams you should be life and death to beat. But had they won those three, they would be 3-0 and and maybe feeling better about things. So they go to Hawaii, and we're all lamenting, oh, these awful one-point losses. Well, the time we left Hawaii, we were saying, please give us a one-point loss because those were just three awful blowouts. And frankly, Louisville has been competitive in very few games since. They did come up with those two wins. The first one kind of unexplainable, just a huge breakout game against Western Kentucky where they played lights out. Uh, Then the next game was kind of a ground-out win over a not-very-good Florida A&M team. And then since then, they settled back into losing. Uh, Other than the Kentucky game, they've actually been more competitive and were for a lot of the Kentucky game, but then it kind of all fell apart for them in the last 10 minutes of that game, too. So it's a team that's really trying to find an identity, trying to figure out what to do and how to do it. I think Kenny Payne has a plan. He has an idea. But I don't know that this talent is suited to that idea, but he he's sticking with fundamental how he wants to do things and, and thinks that down the road he'll get the players to do those things. All right, just one player uh, averaging in double figures, uh, a transfer from uh, Tallahassee Community College. What can you tell us about L. Ellis and, and what we can expect to see out of him tonight? Well, L. has been here a while, and, and they knew they were going to rely on him. And he's in a quandary because he is the point guard, and they need a guy to distribute the ball, and he wants to distribute the ball, but the best person to distribute it to is himself because there's nobody else on this team that can score, at least uh, uh, reliably. Um, you know, Brandon Huntley Hatfield on occasion has a little bit. Uh, I think Mike James could down the road, but has not shown that yet. And, and Louisville just doesn't have a bunch of scores other than L. Ellis, who's also supposed to be operating the show. So he kind of gets caught in, in the dilemma. That's why, if you look at his numbers, he's pretty impressive, except for one thing, and that's turnovers. He, he's averaging four assists a game, but he's averaging four-plus turnovers a game. Um, so it, he gets put in a bind a lot of times, but he can score. He can. He's mainly as a quick driver to the basket, but has decent uh, outside shooting ability. He's about 32% on threes. Um, but he's the guy, and they really don't have anybody else that they can rely on on a, on a steady basis, and that's been the crux of their problem all year. As you've uh, been getting ready for this game tonight, Paul, I'm sure you've uh, you've, you've seen Syracuse play this year. They've had an up-and-down year. Uh, they're young. They, um, 
you know, nine and five right now, two and one in the conference after beating BC. What are your uh, your overall impressions of the Orange? First thing that jumps at me is I can't believe how much Bayheim's playing his bench this year. <laughs> you, yeah. you know, normally when you get ready for Syracuse, you can you learn about five players, sometimes maybe seven. <laughs> but he, he's he's throwing guys in there, and and I'm impressed with how they're all playing. To be honest, I mean, Judah Mintz has been extremely impressive with with his versatility. Uh, I, I love to watch guys like Jesse Edwards just gradually improve over the years, and now he's putting up double doubles with regularity. Um, and I, I, well, you always know you're going to have to deal with Joe Girard and his shooting, uh, and you're going to have to deal with the zone, and they've got the length they've always had in that zone. Um, so it's it's nothing really unexpected other than the fact that, as I said, that they're putting more players on the floor than usual. Yeah, no doubt. And, and then I guess, you know, as we look ahead to this matchup tonight, uh, you know, give me the scenario where, where Louisville uh, hangs in there and makes this a game and, and has a chance to win in the second half. What do they need to do to, to make this a, a close game at the end? The, there's been a myriad of problems for Louisville, but the biggest one and the one that pops up most frequently is the turnovers. I mean, they've just been awful. They're averaging over 16 turnovers a game. Their assist totals are low. Part of that is because they don't shoot the ball very well, but their assist-to-turnover ratio is one of the worst in the country. I, I, they, I've, I haven't seen the latest updated stats, but as of a couple of games ago, they were turning the ball over on about a quarter of their possessions, which was right near the bottom of all of Division One basketball. So the first thing they got to do is not turn the ball over. And they had a really good game against uh, Western Kentucky where they moved the ball well, shot the ball well, defended. And I, I believe in my heart that a couple of more times this year that's going to happen. But it's not something that's going to happen on a regular basis. But the, if they can have that kind of game where they, they don't get killed with the turnovers, they shoot the ball well, and avoid these little stretches. They had a, they, Every game almost, they have a stretch where things fall to pieces. At North Carolina State, uh, the Wolfpack had a 17-0 run, and, and Louisville kind of steadied after that, but by then most damage was done. Uh, Kentucky did didn't have as many huge runs, but they had several little 8-0 runs that would put Louisville in a hole. So if they can just kind of keep that one little fatal segment of the game and, and make shots, which is always important, uh, they'll have a chance. But uh, Louisville's really to the point, frankly, where, where if they're competitive and can be in a game within single figures, I, I think they'll feel like they're making progress. All right, 7 o'clock tip tonight at the KFC Yum Center. Uh, Paul, thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it. All right, see you guys. All right, uh, the voice of the Louisville Cardinals, Paul Rogers. And with that, we'll take a timeout. We'll uh, we'll bring you another interview on the other side. SU assistant coach Alan Griffin set to join us on the other side as we close out our number one of the show next on ESPN Radio.